Well, good morning, ladies. I show you that video. The days are long, but the years are short. Not to play on your emotions, but to illustrate the importance of stewarding our time. We can view that video from the perspective of the mother who is seeing the fleeting time that she is having with her child, or we can look at it from the standpoint of the child who will one day see that the time that she has with her mom or someone that she cares about deeply is quickly passing away. So it sets the stage for us to evaluate the perspective on which we, how we focus our relationships and our resources through the lens of eternity, which is why chapter eight, stewardship for the purpose of godliness is an important chapter for us to consider. I would invite you to pray with me. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. God, you've given us another beautiful day. You have set the sun in its place and you are reliable. Father, to you, a day is but a thousand years, but to us in this finite time that you've given us, you've granted to us, a day is but 24 hours, and much happens in our days within that 24-hour period. And Father, we desire to be better stewards of what you've given to us. So teach us this morning, I pray. Be with us. Fill us with your spirit, because he is welcome here. Open our minds, eye, to what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's spend our time together this morning on this leap day. Anyone? Tammy, was this particular talk planned on leap day for... We get an extra day. It was great. <laughs> you did really well with <laughs> that. But let's consider what stewardship means, why it's important, and how we go about it. So a steward, you'll see there on your notes, you've got copies of your notes on your table, you'll see a steward is a servant who manages someone else's property. A servant who manages someone else's property. God has appointed us all as Christians to be stewards managing his assets here on earth. And we can see this illustrated in Matthew chapter 25. Go ahead and turn there. In Matthew 25, we find the parable of the talents. And let your eyes scan down to verses 14. 14 through 19. For it was just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one, he gave five talents, to another, two, and to another, one, each according to his own ability, and he went out on a journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went ahead and traded them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. 
Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. He returned and settled accounts. Andrew Davis, in his book, An Infinite Journey, I have it up here if anyone's interested in looking at it. An Infinite Journey defines stewardship. You see this in your notes. Defines stewardship as the management or administration of anything that God entrusts to us to use for his glory. Anything that God entrusts to us to use for his glory. So since we have been entrusted with managing everything for which God allocates us, let's consider the how we steward. That's actually a form of worship that dawned on me in church yesterday when we were talking about worship through the elements of communion. How we go about stewarding our time and our resources is actually a form of worship. We read in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whatever we do, so that would include stewardship, whatever we do, we are to do it all for the glory of God. Andrew Davis goes on to say that the essence of stewardship is Everything we have in life, this is such a good perspective for us to have. Everything we have in life comes from God and will go back to God with an accounting. It comes from God and will go back to God with an accounting. So, why do we steward? Someone? Anyone? For the I gave you the answer. Thank you, Jennifer. <laughs> we steward for the purpose of godliness. Godliness, to be more like Christ, to be transformed into the image of the invisible God. And godliness is the result, we learned in our reading this week in chapter 8, godliness is the result of the Holy Spirit working through a biblically disciplined spiritual life. The practical step behind each of the disciplines that we're looking at this semester, the practical step is our disciplined use of time. How we use our time affects how we steward all of the disciplines, how we engage with all of the disciplines that we are looking at this semester. And all time has been ordained by God and finds its focus and its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. All time finds its focus and fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So we need to look at our time in that way as well. So let me ask you this morning, do you view your time as something with eternal significance? When money is limited, one budgets. And a wise person actually sticks to the budget. Yeah. <laughs> When, I, I speak from not so much experience there. When, <laughs> but we, when we're wise, we do. When time is limited, and many of us are, find ourselves there, when time is limited, the same principle applies. We've all been given a specific amount of time, and whether or not we want to think about it, it is limited. 
many of us have lost loved ones in what we consider too soon. Life is fragile, and in our current context that we know it, life is finite in our current context, and it is precious. Open your Bibles with me to um, Ephesians chapter 5. Just flip back a few chapters from Matthew to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's look specifically at verses 15 and 16. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Making most of your time because the days are evil. In verse 16, the English word translated time is from the Greek word kairos. The New Testament is written in Greek, and the ancient Greeks had two basic words for time, chronos and kairos. Chronos, as you can imagine, is uh, where we get our word chronology or chronological, and it's, it, that's what it's derived from, and it is quantitative. Paul could have used chronos in this verse. However, he chose to use the term kairos. Kairos, which is used over 60 times in the New Testament, means a moment in time, an opportunity. This term, kairos, is more qualitative in nature, the best use of time, making the most out of every opportunity to do God's will. So when things happen in life, such as your child falls down and gets hurt, or she's fighting with her sibling again, um, perhaps your husband calls out to you from the other room and needs your help when you're busy, um, or your friend texts you when you're watching The Bachelor and says that she needs to talk, do you look at these interruptions, do you look at these things as interruptions, or do you look at them as opportunities? Just as we don't, we won't, we will never drift toward holiness that we looked at last semester. The same principle applies to making an effective and meaningful impact with our time. It requires discipline, ladies, it just does. Our use or our misuse of time is a spiritual endeavor. And we need to, I challenge you to consider this morning that we need to open our eyes to the emotional and spiritual, yes, and physical needs that are around us and make the most of every opportunity that God gives us. So what I would like us to consider this morning are three categories in which we can group our time. You'll see that, that on your notes three categories in which we can group our time. The first is waste. Waste. How many of us can quickly identify, we don't have to think long and hard, of areas in our life in which we waste time? (laughs) Too much television viewing, perhaps. That's an easy, quick one that comes to mind. Mindless trolling, social media. Or what about daydreaming? My mind... I'm prone to wander 
in my mind, right? Any other daydreamers here? Yeah, okay, good. Thank you. I'm not alone. My name is Sandra, and I'm a daydreamer. Um, <laughs> but it's usually not a good use of my time. It's more wasting it. It really is. Or this one may hit closer to home. <clears throat> Worrying about the future. Or dwelling on past mistakes and getting lost in regret. Good use of time. So how many of you here this morning have a junk drawer? Junk drawer? Mine's in my kitchen. Yeah. That, that play, yeah, where coupons go to live and die, the, the expired in 2012, and pens that may or may not have ink, uh, batteries, I have no idea if there's still any alkaline in them, uh, who, pieces and parts to things that you're like, what does this go to, or old keys, I have keys, I have no idea what they work, uh, that, that's all in my junk drawer. Well, early in our marriage, Jeff and I were both active duty Air Force, and we lived in base housing. We lived in a, a three-bedroom duplex from the Korean War era, come complete with beige cinder block walls. I know y'all are jealous. <laughs> yes. Well, the girls had bunk beds, so they were in one bedroom. So our third bedroom became like a catch-all. Mm, have y'all ever done that? Yes. Uh, think of your junk drawer, picture your junk drawer on steroids. That was our third bedroom. Before we knew it, we could barely get past the door. Remember when Heidi shared with us a few weeks ago about contaminated time? Well, our bedroom was sort of contaminated. Um, but when we steward our time, like Jeff and I mismanaged that room, our schedules get full and cluttered, and that increases our anxiety. I hated walking by that room. It increases our anxiety and relational discord, I can speak from experience. It's wasteful, and we become ineffective. We can get emotionally overwhelmed when we fail to incorporate spiritual disciplines, especially stewardship, whether it be over a junk drawer, a room, or our lives. When I choose to waste time, I'm usually focused on myself and what I want to do or not do, clean out a room at that moment. So what drives you in regard to how you use your time? What's your motivation behind how you choose to use or spend your time or waste? The second category in which we can group our time, waste, that's, an, that's a pretty easy one. Waste, that's my granddaughter, everyone. Say hello to Emery. <laughs> waste. The second category is spend. Spend. So I would like us to reflect on how we spend our time, perhaps in good ways or ways in which we need to, that the day calls for, but things that don't necessarily have eternal value. House, house cleaning. Good night. 
cooking, uh, the never-ending battle with laundry. Where does it all come from? These are necessary things that we have to do to spend our time. And as we uh, mentioned a moment ago, television watching, it's not inherently bad. We can watch a show and relax. Downton Abbey, any Downton Abbey? Yeah. Um, Or a movie that allows us to laugh and relax with friends and family. But when we choose to binge watch on Netflix, Maybe not the best use of our time. How many times can we watch Gilmore Girls? I just want to, I just don't know. Um, Or consider yard work. If we have a yard, God has entrusted us to take care of it. We're not to let it be overgrown with weeds. We are to have dominion over the earth. We don't want, uh, we don't want to be the ugliest yard on the block, Um, but Do you need to have a perfectly manicured lawn and have it remain pristine throughout the summer, dumping hundreds and hundreds of dollars into it every year? So much so that you get frustrated if the neighborhood kids like want to play a game of tag. Is that where you are? We have we have a an retired woman, an older retired woman in our neighborhood, very sweet woman. She is out in the summertime, like clockwork, every day pruning her shrubs and working in her yard. Sweet woman, beautiful yard. Don't know that that's the best use of her time every day. And it's not always black and white. Sometimes we're constrained by deadlines, right? Uh, Maybe we're in school or we have a work deadline. Um, As I was finishing this talk, my grandson Paxton is recovering from having his tonsils out, and he had a little bit of a tough time, and I desperately wanted to spend some time with him this weekend, but I wasn't done with this talk. So sometimes we have deadlines and we can't do the things that we want to do. Um, Think about perhaps how much time you spend at the gym or on your hobbies. These, These are okay ways to spend time, but we need to keep everything in perspective. They can eat away a lot of time. Are we taking these things to an extreme? How we spend our time, ladies, reveals our priorities. It reveals our priorities, what's important to us in our lives. And are time and opportunities ours to do with what we choose, or do we need to consider God and how he wants us to manage them. Am I anxious to please him with how I spend my time, or am I more anxious to please my tired self? Our last category to consider this morning in regard to grouping our time is invest. Invest. We have waste, spend, invest. Invest in preparation for eternity. Prepare for the future. Prepare for things that are eternal. As we know, time is brief and indescribably precious. Christians see the world differently. Our paradigms shift as we grow in our faith. And although we currently see in a mirror dimly, we do begin to see things in light of eternity. We need to look at time and money in connection to eternal matters. How can I invest my resources in things and people that will make a kingdom impact? 
Many of you have precious little ones here at home, and there are countless logistics to consider. And the ever-present lack of sleep, the struggle is real. To everything a season, and to everything a season, sweet mother, just remember that, to everything a season. We need to also remember that steward, faithful stewardship of our time it's not about performing for Jesus. Any of the spiritual disciplines we're looking at this semester are not about performance, performing for him. It is about him permeating every facet of our life. What you can do, even with the myriad of logistics that you encounter every day, what you can do is ask God to create in you an appetite to invest for eternity, and to advance his kingdom. Ask him for that appetite. Ask him to give you eyes to see in the desire of your heart to be about his business and not necessarily what I want that day. Dr. Whitney explains in our reading that at the heart of the biblical discipline of time is doing the will of God when it ought to be done doing the will of God when it ought to be done. Unexpected conversations. You run into someone at the grocery store or at the park. Unforeseen occasions to serve. These are ordained by God for us to either share the gospel, perhaps with an unbeliever, to encourage a fellow believer. I've had the privilege over the past six or seven months to serve with Fellowship of Christian Athletes led by Ryan Glower. And I've had the opportunity to love on and invest in these beautiful women that are engaged in this ministry at UNCC. Well, a week ago, I was given an opportunity, a very unexpected opportunity to join the team from FCA to go on a mission trip to Haiti. They've been preparing for this trip for months. And I got the opportunity last week because someone had to drop out, unfortunately, that was on the team. So I was given the opportunity to go and serve the girls on the team and also love and share the gospel to, with the people of Haiti. Uh, please pray for us. We leave in four days, so please, <laughs> please pray for us. But providential, the reason I bring that up, providentially appointed opportunities are also a matter of faithful stewardship. I could have declined and stayed home and my life be a little easier for the next couple of weeks. But take advantage of the time and the opportunities that God sets before you, even if they're unexpected. So far this semester, we've examined the discipline of Bible intake and scripture memorization and meditation, and we'll soon study worship and prayer. These disciplines help us focus on God and his divine purposes and bear fruit that glorifies our Father. And when our minds are renewed by the word of God, we will not as easily be conformed to this world and its view on time management. It leads us, God's word leads us to be better stewards of our time. I'm currently memorizing a passage from Colossians 1 with one of the girls from FCA. And I didn't 
plan it this way, um, but the timing of this talk is uncanny, and uh, it helps me remember what life is all about. Two of the verses from the passage that we're memorizing is, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. So he himself will come to have first place in everything. That's Colossians 1, 17 and 18. Does he have first place with your time, in your checkbook, in everything? It is in the everyday things of life that our faith in Christ plays itself out. As a mom, we are conditioned to distractions by our environment, right? Distractions all day long. Emery's not a distraction, baby. She's fine. <laughs> but the everyday things of life, our children, the constant tug of laundry and housework and cooking and diapers and our smartphones, we're constantly being distracted and bombarded. We're steeped in it all day long. And if we categorize our time in those, those three ways, waste, spend, or invest, how do we build on investing our time instead of wasting it? What does that look like? Well, I encourage you to examine your time in light of our church pillars. You see them right there on the wall. I understand that every one of you here this morning is not a member at Hickory Grove, um, However, the principle still applies. Our members are just more familiar with this terminology. As a Christian, our foundation is Jesus Christ himself, and he's the chief cornerstone. Um, he supports our three pillars, exalt Christ, make disciples, pass the torch. When the pastoral leadership team needs to make a decision, they filter through these three pillars? Does it fit into one or more of these three pillars? They provide a good example for us to follow. I encourage you to look at the moments, the qualitative opportunities that God gives you throughout your day through the lens of these three pillars to help understand if, in fact, that opportunity is an investment. Is it an opportunity to seize and lift high the name of Jesus? Is it an opportunity for us to learn more accurately who he is, how much he loves us, and how we can love him, for the, all for the purpose of loving him more deeply? Or could this moment that God has given us be an opportunity for me to intentionally disciple? Our second pillar, I would like to encourage all of you in this room, we're, we're all different ages, different life stages, different socioeconomic statuses, different number of children at home or not at home, married or not married. Um, I would still like to encourage each of you to have a relationship with a younger woman in your life. This is not an add to, it's an alongside of. Bring a younger woman alongside you. And this is going to take intentionality 
it's going to take some sacrifice. And it's going to take much love for the women coming behind us. We need to have love for the next generation of women coming behind us. Making disciples, though, can look a million different ways. It's not cookie cutter. Um, but the point is to intentionally invest in, the, in a younger woman and point her to Jesus and pray for her transformation in Christlikeness. Or should we ask ourselves, is this an opportunity of one to pass the torch? This pillar speaks to where many of you find yourselves in this important season of life with children at home. It's a beautiful, it's by God's beautiful design that he gives us the responsibility to raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And there are countless tools to aid us in teaching the gospel to our children regardless of where they are in their life stage in age-appropriate ways. But I encourage you, learn how to weave gospel truths into your child rearing in such a way that it's life-giving, as so much so as the word itself. If you discern that an opportunity leads you into one of these three pillars, rest assured that it is an investment of your time. Now, how many of you are list makers? Any list makers? Wow, again, good. I'm not alone. List makers, grocery lists and, and people to call back lists and junk drawers to clean lists. And yeah, so management guru Jim Collins, you may have heard of him, author of Good to Great, encourages his readers to have a stop doing list. A stop doing list. We should, we should consider creating that, a stop doing list, especially of those things that we've categorized as wasteful, those time wasters. And then we can routinely evaluate it in an effort to, to change what we had in our time waste category and move it into an investment of time. You see there on your notes a quote by an early 19th century German poet, Johann Wolfgang van Goethe. Things that matter most must never be at the mercy of things which matter least. It's good for us to remember. I don't know if any of you are familiar with an uh, illustration from a few years ago, um, Big Rocks, Little Rocks, where you have a container of sorts, just picture a big glass container, and you have little rocks, things that either waste time or spend time, and you fill that up. You fill up your container with all these little rocks, the things that you have to do throughout the day, and the constant distractions, and even time wasters, and you fill that up, and then at the end of your day, you look and you say, I don't have time. I, I didn't spend time with the Lord today. I, I wasn't in my, in my Bible. I didn't encourage a friend. I didn't do any of the one another. Those things that are like more of the real priorities that are the big rocks, well, our jar is filled with those little rocks that we did throughout the day. Now there's no more room for us to put in those big rocks. Our spiritual disciplines, all of them are big rocks. Spending time with God, spending time in his word, spending time praying and uh, memorizing and meditating on scripture. Those are big rocks. 
So what are your big rocks, those non-negotiables in your life to help grow you through the help aid of the Holy Spirit more Christ-like? What are those that will help make an eternal investment? What are those? Put those in first. Put those in first. Even as busy moms, I encourage you, make time with God in prayer. Exalt Christ through reading his word. Make those big rocks. We choose that. He gives us the opportunity to choose. We choose it. What are your big rocks? And as significant and fun as they are, in comparison with spending time with God and his word, playdates can be more like little rocks. They're important, but should they supersede your time with God and his word? And let's be honest, most of us in this room, our lives are not filled with active sinful behavior per se, some of those sins that we can think about and categorize. Most of us are not there. Um, but are we placing the important things, the big rocks first into our schedule? Are we being more about the father's business or are we being more about our own? When I get weary, especially from a busy schedule and a little overwhelmed, it helps me to read an Elizabeth Elliot quote that I have on my fridge. I'm a big quote person. Did y'all pick up on that? I have an Elizabeth Elliot quote on my fridge that I look at when I get tired and weary. And that says, I have one desire now, to live a life of reckless abandon for the Lord, putting all my energy and strength into it. This encourages me to continue on for the sake of God's kingdom, even when I'm tired. So how are you doing with stewarding your time? Have you thought of at least one thing you can put on your stop doing list? One thing, write it on your paper, just one thing you can put on your stop doing list. Something maybe that was in your waste category. The second area that Dr. Whitney teaches us in this chapter is the stewardship of money. The stewardship of money. This was a tough chapter. It's stepped on some toes, I know. So those big rocks, don't throw them at me right now. <laughs> well, turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 16. Deuteronomy 16. How many of you, when invited to either an old friend or a new friend's house for dinner, um, feel compelled to bring something with you? Right? Me too. Is it a generational thing? I, I, I'm not. No? Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. I wasn't certain. I just feel compelled to, to bring something with me. It doesn't matter if Jeff and I have been invited to dinner or maybe just dessert and coffee. I want to bring something. Um, I don't want to show up at the door. Let me say it that way. I don't want to show up at the door with nothing in my hand that is going to reflect uh, our friendship or my appreciation to, to them for their generosity and hospitality and kindness. 
So let's read verses 16 in Deuteronomy 16. Go down to verse, verse 16 and 17. Three times in a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord, the Lord your God, in the place which he chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Booze. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has giving, given you. Do not show up empty-handed. There are sweet little nuggets in scripture that we can find when we spend some time there. and They're just awaiting on our discovery and application. So why is it that there are times that I feel compelled to take something to a friend's house who's invited me over for dinner, but I may not give it a second thought to show up to God's house without a gift to symbolize my gratitude to him? the creator of everything that has filled my life with countless blessings, gave me my life. This attitude of coming to worship God empty-handed can be a reflection of our ingratitude toward him. It can also reflect that I'm not stewarding my money very well. I, like many of you here in this room, rely on the sole provision of my husband. And I am beyond grateful that my husband is committed to weekly tithing. If your husband is disciplined to tithe, respect him for that. And let him know how much you appreciate his commitment. And we, we need to remember that tithing to God is not giving to him, something that belongs to us, we're returning a portion out of gratitude and love and recognition that everything, even that money, belongs to him, and we were just called to steward it. If your husband is not committed to tithing, regardless if you're adding to the household income, pray for him. Pray for him. Consider having a loving conversation with him. Maybe, maybe encourage him to read this section of the book. Um, wherever he lands, commit to praying for him. Although we cannot use overwhelming debt as an excuse, a reason to not tithe, if you find yourself currently in a place where you're strapped with debt, um, know this. On Sunday nights, we just started a class at Financial Peace University. Maybe that's something you could consider. Unwise and unnecessary spending can, can be placed in that same waste category that we did with our time. Debt is nothing other than a form of bondage, and it restricts opportunities for us to serve our families, immediate family, our family of faith, and even the kingdom of God. And what it shows is we've mismanaged what he entrusted to us. When you trust God in the matter of tithing, you will never regret it. Talk, talk to some women, you'll never regret it, ever regret when you commit to it. We, see in, we read in Matthew 6, Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? 
or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But what do we do? We need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And trust me, we've been there and we find ourselves there again where we're trying to figure out how to make ends meet. I'm no longer working outside the home and and so we've had to make big decisions and we've had to make sacrifices and we're there again where we're living paycheck to paycheck and that might be where you find yourself. But ladies, please remember, it's not the size of the paycheck that matters. What matters is our priorities and how we steward the money that God's entrusted to us. If it's been some time since you've evaluated your financial priorities, I encourage you to look through the same categories we looked at in regard to our time. Waste, spend, invest. It's a good time to ask ourselves some challenging questions. They're tough, but take this opportunity. Does my bank account reveal that I am living more toward like the world and its view of materialism? Is that what my bank account, is that what my bank statement looks like? Do, do my priorities and how I spend look anything differently than the secular world? Or could I live maybe a little more simply so as to give sacrificially? And sometimes those opportunities come up unexpectedly. Like the Haiti trip that I mentioned, I that wasn't on my radar. I didn't realize I was going to go. So I had two weeks to raise money to go on this mission trip. And I tell you what, it has been beyond a blessing to see how a couple of men, but primarily women, have opened up. There is a sweet woman in our Sunday school class that is on Social Security. She's on a very fixed income. And she gave me a check and she said, oh, no. I'll figure out how to do without this $50, which is huge for her this month so that you can go and share the gospel in Haiti. We want to be able to do that, to invest in God's kingdom. And I certainly need to grow in this area. And this lesson was really good for me. Um, I want to learn to live with an eternal perspective with how we spend the resources that God has entrusted to us. Again, it's not a matter of how much, but I want to do it in such a way that honors God and loves people and makes a kingdom impact. So ladies, please remember that we do not strive to grow in these disciplines to win God's approval. It's not what it's about. We strive to grow in the disciplines to know and love Jesus a little bit more today than we did yesterday. Spiritual disciplines and stewardship in particular is not about doing more things. Please don't hear that. It's not about doing more things. It's about engaging in the here and now with the mind of Christ and doing what we do for the glory of God and for the good of those around us, including our families. The goal is to bring us closer to Christ, closer to God the Father, and grow into the image of Christ who is the image of the invisible God. My prayer is for all of us that we will steward well the resources that we've been entrusted 
for the Holy Spirit to use us in the every moments that make up our every days, which may seem long sometimes, but oh, how I promise you, the years are short. Would you pray with me? God, you're so good. You're faithful and you are trustworthy. And we desire, as we grow in you and the knowledge of who you are and in our love for you and spending time getting to know you through your word, and God, we want to be counted faithful. Grow us in our faithfulness in stewardship of our time, our money, our opportunities, everything that you entrust us with. Grow us, God, I pray. Now, be with us, Lord, as we go into our groups and we talk about some difficult things. And God, give us, give us the understanding, I pray, that um, the things that you give us are, are not us, you're ours. You're entrusting them to us for us to be managers and administrators of that which you want us to use for your glory to have a kingdom eternal impact. Remind us, God, and l allow it to lead us to worship you more deeply. Father, that is our prayer this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.